Amen. Thank you. Open your Bibles now to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Tonight we're going to continue our move, our march through the Gospel of John. Uh, Tonight we continue our look at the account of Jesus and the Samaritan woman there at the well. Uh, We have been looking closely at this account uh, the past two nights, and tonight we come to the very absolute best part of the story. Without a doubt, we come to the absolute best part of the story. As we do tonight... I want you to hold this question in your mind. As we pass through our verses tonight, I want you to ponder, to think about this question. And the question is this, what is the best part of trusting Jesus? What is the best part of meeting and receiving and knowing Jesus? And so tonight, as we move through this account, as we get to what I believe is the best part of this account, I want you to be thinking about that. What is the best part of knowing and trusting Jesus? Tonight our message is entitled, The Glorious End of an Abandoned Pot. The Glorious End of an Abandoned Pot. John chapter 4, tonight verses 27 through 34. John chapter 4, verses 27 through 34. The glorious end of an abandoned pot. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. John chapter 4, beginning in the 27th verse tonight. At this point, his disciples came, and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek, or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, No one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to them, verse 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight and and we come, and, and first off on this Friday night, Lord, we praise you, we thank you, we exalt you. We celebrate you, Lord. We come and our, and our heart is, is intent on glorifying you tonight. We come and, Lord, we're thankful for Jesus, our hope, our Savior, our peace, our King. And we lift up tonight the name of our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful for the opportunity to come and together tonight, I pray that you are honored in it. I pray that you're known through it. I pray for those that are hearing in person tonight, those that are hearing in, in some other means tonight. I pray that you would speak supernaturally. I I pray that it would be tremendous, that it would grab our hearts and our minds. And then in the hearing of your word, hearing your voice, we would see you, our Savior. Lord, we, we pray that you would move tonight in this effort. Lord, we come and we're thankful for your word. We praise you for it, that you lead us, that you direct us, that you not leave us to wonder or to guess, but you actually give us 
You're living and active word. We praise you for that. And the Lord, again, we just pray that you are pleased in this hour, with this hour, and through this hour. We give all things to you. We, we again, lay it at your feet. We ask that you would take it and bless it and multiply it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Very quickly tonight, let me catch us up on the context. In John chapter 4, Jesus and his disciples have traveled into Samaria, the home of the hated Samaritans. Now, there's a story behind that, but they, they go into Samaria, the home of the hated Samaritans. Jesus, on his saving mission, truly proves in this act that he is no respecter of people, of persons. He is not prejudiced. And he proves in this act that his love and his grace and his mercy and therefore his gospel are available to all people. You wonder if that's really what he means? That's really what he means. He proves it and is going through Samaria. Well, Jesus on this journey about noontime has become tired. The Bible says that he wearied. And so he sat down at the ancient well of Jacob. And the Bible tells us in that account that his disciples, he sent them to go into town. It's about a mile away to get food, to secure some food. Well, sitting at this well, he meets a Samaritan woman. They began to talk. Uh, that was a taboo thing in that culture. And in the conversation, he tells her of a great truth. He tells her of living water. He tells her of water that will spring up and a well to eternal life. He tells her of a water that will truly satisfy. Now, not only that, if you can imagine, in the conversation, in the course of the conversation, he has revealed himself to her as the Messiah. He has told her he is God's anointed, promised Savior. Now, remember the thing about this woman. She was willing to hope in the Messiah, yet she was not willing to live in light of the Messiah. Now, what that means is it was okay for her to say, yes, someday he will come, and yes, someday then we'll have understanding. It was, it was fine for her to hope in the Messiah, but it wasn't enough for her to live her life in light of the Messiah, to change her life, to prioritize her life in light of the Messiah. And the reason was because she'd never met the Messiah. To her, he was some far-off reality. To her, that idea was something so far removed from her daily life that it did not impact her life. And so she was not willing to live in light of the Messiah because she'd never met him. And then verse 26, listen to this. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when he comes, he will declare all things to us. Verse 26, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. She meets the Messiah. Well, that's where we pick up tonight. Now, remember, as we go into our verses tonight, the question is, what is the best part 
of knowing and receiving, trusting Jesus Christ. So now as we head into our verses, remember that is the question. What is the best part of receiving, knowing Jesus? All right, let's begin in our verses. Verse 27. At this point, his disciples came, and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why do you speak with her? The original language, the Greek says, at that moment. It means at that exact point. They've been having a discussion, and at that moment, at that point, Jesus' disciples return from town with the food. Right then. Now, when they left, he was alone. He had grown weary. They left him sitting there by the well. They went to get the food. When they left... He was alone, and now they find him as they draw closer, as they arrive, talking with this woman. Now, remember tonight, the the Jewish oral tradition forbid a man from talking with a woman in public. It It was actually one of their laws, one of their traditions. It actually forbid a man from talking with any woman in public, even his own wife he could not talk to. Now, add to that, that this woman was a Samaritan, a Samaritan woman. Add to that, that this was a woman of a poor reputation. The Bible says the disciples were amazed. The Greek word here means astonished out of their senses. It means their minds were blown. That's literally what it means. They They were astonished out of their senses. They were blown away. They were astounded. Why would he mar his reputation talking to this woman? Why would he risk it? It's so dangerous. Why would he risk looking so undignified talking to this woman? This is a dangerous thing. And they marvel as they see him talking to this woman. Yet the Bible says, yet they say nothing. I don't know the reason for that. Maybe it was respect. But they say nothing even though they are astonished. They are astounded. Verse 28. So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men. Verse 28 is straightforward. Verse 28 is plain to understand. And yet it is the most important, most telling, most beautiful part of this entire account. Now, if you read it quickly, it's almost so fast that you would miss over it. If you're not paying attention, you might move quickly by it. And yet John makes sure, God makes sure that we see it. So the woman left her water pot. The woman left her water pot. All these days she had carried it there. It was pointless to make the trip without her water pot. All these days she had carried it. All these days she had labored under its burden to heave it back home. Day after day after day she carried the water pot back home. It was her means of drinking. It was her means of cooking. It was her means of washing. It was essential. This water pot was to her life. And yet as she makes her way back to town, there it sits, left abandoned In the hot noonday sun. Friends, listen to me tonight. She left her water pot. She leaves it there. She left 
her water pot. Friends, see this. On this unexpected, glorious day, a day that started with her walking and living in shame. She had met Jesus. She had met the Messiah. And now her reasons had changed. Her priorities had changed. Her mindset had changed. And so she left her water pot. She had met the Messiah this day. And so now her mission had changed. Her focus had changed. Her needs, all of her needs had now changed. And so she left her water pot. On this glorious, unexpected day, she had met the Messiah, so everything that had ever been in her life had now changed. And so listen to me, praise the Lord, she left her water pot. And most of all tonight, friend, she had changed. You see, she was the water pot. And this crazy conversation that had started there with the Messiah, this crazy conversation about living water. What is living water? And it it springs up to eternal life. This crazy conversation now makes sense to her for she is the water pot. Remember going back to verse 9. The water pot, her water pot, It was considered unclean in their tradition, in their law. It was considered defiled. That water pot was dirty. It was deemed unfit. And so her water pot that she had brought, it was deemed unfit. Well, understand tonight it was the same with her. That was her state in her sin. That was her life and her sin. And and no matter what she might do, she could not escape it. No well was far enough to travel to. No time of day was remote enough. She was ruined in the stain of her own sin and she couldn't do anything about it. But now she had met the Messiah. And now she was filled with living water. And now she had a spring that welled up to eternal life. And now her vessel was clean. Now her sin was forgiven. Now her shame was gone. And her life was overflowing with living water. Friends, she is the water pot. And where her former self sits abandoned on the ground, she leaves gloriously redeemed a vessel of living water She is the water pot. My friend, tonight, that's our gospel. That's our good news. That's the good news of what we have by faith in Jesus Christ. The question, what is the best part of receiving Jesus? What can be the best part of knowing Jesus? Listen to me. It is that in Jesus, all things are made new. The best part is that in Jesus, we all, by faith in Jesus, we are made new. In Jesus, listen to me, our sins are forgiven. Do you understand that? Do you hear that? In Jesus, our sins are forgiven. In Jesus, our guilt is pardoned. In Jesus, our lives are redeemed, purchased back from the debt of our sin. In Jesus, our records are cleared. In Jesus, our hurts are healed. In Jesus, our our reputations are forgotten. In Jesus, our shame is lifted. In Jesus, our death now becomes life and our vessels are filled. And there being covered over in the sands of God's grace, old, broken, abandoned vessels are replaced with vessels of living water springing up 
to eternity. And God says in his word, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, see, the new has come. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Oh, the glorious ending of abandoned water pots made new in Jesus. That's our gospel. That's his grace. Praise the Lord. So the woman left her water pot and went water pot and went into the city and said to the men, verse 29, come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? Verse 29, she goes back to the town and she comes to where the men are gathered and she says to the crowd of men, come and see a man who told me all the things that I've done. I wonder how many of them said, "Uh uh-oh. She says, this is not the Christ, is it? This is not the Christ, is it? Some say, and I was reading, there are some scholars that say she evidently still didn't know Jesus, that she was still weighing it out. She's still trying to decide. She was still asking, looking for more information. I don't believe that. I believe she knew. To come into a group of men and make the statement that this man out there, this man Jesus is the Christ, would have stirred resentment in those men. Who is she to come talk religious matters to us? Who is she, especially her, to even talk about such things with us? Remember yesterday, she knew how to play the game. And so here in this episode, she defers to them and she wisely asks them to help her decide this couldn't be the Messiah, could it? She plays the game. It ends better this time, but she plays the game. She defers to their ego. I don't know. Perhaps this one could be the Messiah. Maybe you can help me with that. Verse 30. They went out of the city and were coming to him. In the original language, it translates at once and in a rush. And so she makes that announcement. There's a man out there, and he's told me all the things he shouldn't know. Perhaps, maybe, could he be the Messiah? And it translates at once, and in a rush, they made their way. Now, the language here implies that there was a large crowd. And so these men there in the city, they're making their way out to the well to Jesus. In verse 31, there's a change of focus. Verse 31. Meanwhile... Verse 27 starts at this point. Verse 31, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Meanwhile, the disciples have come back, and they were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Now, this had all started with their going in to the town, to the city, to get some food. Well, now they have food. I'm pretty sure it must have been Chick-fil-A. And they press in on him. You're tired. 
We've been traveling. You're tired. You need to eat. Here, we brought you some food. Why don't you eat? And they pressed in on him, verse 32. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Well, here he goes again in verse 32. First, he says, I have living water. Now he says he has secret food, food that you know not about. I wonder if the disciples are thinking, well, then why do we go to town? Verse 32 again. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Verse 33. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? They're trying to figure this out. He says he has some food no one knows about. No one brought him anything to eat, did he? Maybe while they were gone, maybe while they made the trip, somebody had brought something to him. Verse 34. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Let me read verse 34 again. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Verse 34, Jesus makes a very profound statement, makes a very telling statement. He says, what sustains him is to do the will of the Father. That's what he says. The food that I eat, what sustains me is to do the will of the Father. What keeps me going is to be obedient to the Father's mission. What, I, what, what keeps me filled up is to be obedient to the directing of the Father, to be obedient to his mission. Now, he will walk this pattern out all the way to the cross. It's not something he says there. He's not playing games with him. He's not just saying something to impress him. He will actually walk this out all the way to the cross in the garden. He will say, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. But nonetheless, not my will be done, but thine be done. On the cross, with redemption secured, with the work of salvation done, he says, it is finished. The Father's plan, it has been carried out. It is finished. He walks it all the way to the end. He lives to carry out the Father's mission. He lives to carry out the Father's work. All right, listen, verse 34 again. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. I don't want you to miss this. I want you to see this. Listen very carefully tonight. In context, it means God's eternal plan, the Father's mission for the Messiah, the Savior of mankind. Listen, the Father's mission for the Savior of mankind included a stop at an ancient well to find a lost and erring daughter to take her broken, unfit pot his plan for all eternity was to find her and to pick up this pot and to dust it off and to make it clean again and to fill it with living water that would spring up to eternal life. And now she's a glorious vessel. She is the pot. Oh, what grace that is. 
Oh, what a Savior we have. She is the pot. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come tonight, we're thankful. We're thankful that you're quick to forgive, that you're gracious to forgive, that you carry our sins far away and remember them no more. We're, th- we're thankful that our shame, no matter how big, how deep, how earned, is settled in you and your cross. We're thankful that you come and you offer us redemption, forgiveness, renewal, restoration. Lord, we're thankful that you take old, marred, sinful, broken pots. And in your perfect blood, your redeeming blood, you make us vessels that carry the water of life that springs up to eternity. Lord, we thank you for that. I'm thankful for that truth. I'm thankful for that good news. I'm thankful for that reality. Lord, I pray as we hear this tonight that we are encouraged. I pray as we hear this tonight that our our hearts love you more tonight. I'm thankful that we have such a Savior. Lord, I pray as we hear this tonight that our hearts would burn to tell somebody else, that we would join you in your saving mission. There is a Savior that redeems broken, sin-stained pots. Help us in that, Lord. Motivate us in that, Lord. Use us for that. Lord, we come tonight again, we just praise you. We come tonight hearing this message, we just celebrate you. We thank you. We lift up your name. I pray as we conclude this time, I pray if there's one that doesn't know you, I pray that in the hearing of the good news of such a Savior, that tonight might be the night of their salvation. Lord, move in their hearts. And we give you this time of response, this time of invitation. We ask that you be known and glorified in it. We love you, we thank you, we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to conclude our time together, our service with a time of response, a time of response to the truth of God's word. I want to tell you tonight, this is our Savior, and this is His grace. And whatever sin we have, whatever mountain of mess that we've made in our sin, whatever guilt and shame we bear, that He forgives it. If we'll turn to Him and repent and trust Him as our Savior. We're made new. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. That is His promise to you tonight. If you're listening tonight, if you can hear tonight and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do it tonight. Settle it tonight. His grace is offered to you tonight. His promise stands tonight. Turn to him tonight. If you're listening tonight, if you're here and you've never trusted or you trusted Christ, but you never fought in believer's baptism, by immersion, after the point that you are saved, as a testimony of what we believe of Christ, that he died and went in a grave, that he came out of the grave alive and victorious, of what's happened to us in Christ, that we've died with him, and we now live in and through him. If, if you've been saved, you've put your faith in Christ, but never fought in believer's baptism, I want to give you an opportunity to come as well. And let's set a date, a great day of celebration, of testimony to what we believe of Christ. If you're looking for a church home, and you've prayed about it, and you believe God has led you here, You come as well. Together we'll unite and we'll uphold his word, preaching his gospel until he comes again. Maybe in this service you want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. As always, I'm going to ask that this will be the focus of this time. No one would stir about or head for an exit. We would pray for those that are making decisions. As we stand to sing, if God has spoken to you, if you have a decision to make, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here.